Hi, this is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcast. Hi, 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 and hello, and welcome to episode number 26. Thank you so very much for joining me today. First, let's start at the beginning. How I got here, how I started to ponder a phrase that I heard. The phrase that I heard is, just because you can make sense of something doesn't mean that it's right. We humans like to make sense of things. It's our specialty. We like to make sense of things. We like to master things. But just because you can make sense of something doesn't mean it's right. There's a book I read called Conscious Capitalism. I talk about it a lot on the show. It's about how to do business in a way that lets your employees know how truly valuable they are to you. The concept involves things like full transparency regarding financials and HR and all kinds of break the rules, out of the box thinking that you don't find at most other companies that exist in the world today. The concept also includes being a kind person and being a servant leader. One of the co-authors tells a story of how he had a revelation while listening to his pastor's sermon at church just after his wife had given birth to their new baby girl. And he's listening to the pastor talk about the life of God's children and his hopes for them to grow up and experience the most love and support from everyone that they encounter. And this guy, the business leader, a light bulb went off in his head. And he's like, hey, I just had a baby girl. I know precisely what this guy is talking about. I want my child to have the most love and support from everyone they encounter too. But wait, moreover, I am in contact with thousands of people each day. This guy literally had thousands of employees working under his leadership each day. And he starts to think, how am I making their lives better when they encounter me? How am I providing love and support in their day-to-day? Each day, thousands of employees are spending eight-plus hours a day doing the things that I tell them to do. I am designing their encounters. How am I creating the world that their parents envisioned for them, for all of my employees? At that time, he wasn't doing what he needed to do, what he believed he had to do as a leader, as a servant leader. So he made changes, big changes, that led to the book, Conscious Capitalism. It changed his life. And the lives of the thousands of people who work for him, it changed their lives tremendously as well. I highly suggest you take a look at the book. It will give you hope. It will show you that what work can be, what it is for many people. After all, we spend... Most of our time at work, more than any other activity for many of us, even more than sleep. So work is important. And how you feel about work is important. And most of all, you are important. Some of the best advice I have ever received is to be sure to deliver every message, to make sure you say everything Deliver each message that you have within you. Deliver it with love and kindness. This applies internally, too. Every time you utter a sentence, either to yourself, your internal dialogue, or to another person, communicating outwardly and sending verbal, audible messages to the world, or a text message, or a post, any time and every time you utter a word, make sure it's delivered with love and kindness. 
It's hard to do. It's not easy, which is why it's great advice. I want to master the things that are the most significant in my life, the biggest players, the key players, the things that I spend the most time on, the things that are built into my life. Work is built into my life this way. So I want to master work. I want to make work work for me, so to speak. I would venture to guess that you also want to master work, that you want to feel good about going to work, happy when you're planning work, and happy to collaborate at work. I think that overall, you and I, we all want to be satisfied at work. We want to be satisfied at work. We want to end the day with the feeling of accomplishment and a sense of contribution and that you did something for someone. I just realized how sexual all that sounded and made me so happy. Or you you did something for someone or who wanted or needed something at that time. And you made something that wasn't there before into a thing. You did a task. You performed a check. Monitored a process. Whatever your technical role is, is actually of little importance here. It's how you think about the work that you do that makes the difference. It's how you frame, how you frame your work. The literal words that you use to describe your job that makes up your work, which in turn makes up your life. Considering how much time we spend at work, work is our longest lasting relationship. As Americans, we love work. We even grow up as kids playing work. (laughs) I, I loved this game as a kid, you know, playing cashier at the supermarket and all that. It's no wonder I work, I enjoy working for Instacart so much. That I, and I also love the game show, Supermarket Sweep. But that's not what we're talking about now. I digress. (laughs) Considering how much time we all spend at work, considering how much work is built into our lifestyle, considering how necessary work is for nearly all of us, we all need to master work. We all need to put some effort into understanding what makes work a happy place and what makes work a sad place. What makes two people in the exact same position, working in the exact same department, under the same supervisor, what makes two seemingly identical employees have a drastically polar different experience overall? Why do some people feel super, super, super satisfied with their work while others doing similar work don't feel an ounce of satisfaction? They just feel like it's a job, no purpose. Why do some people feel really emotional about the work that they produce? Why others with more high-profile jobs and double the salary despise every hour of their workday. How can we assess this? How can we create a satisfying work experience? And even better, how can we avoid an unsatisfying work experience? This week, we are talking work and how to master it, how to own it, how to use your mind to make it do what you want it to do. And trust me, dear listeners, you want your mind to do. So, Let's put this mind to work, and let's start the show. I want, first of all, to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and for being on this journey with me. It feels really great to be here, and it feels even better to thank you. Thank you for being here with me and listening, and thank you for listening to the show. Now. Onward. Today, we are talking about one of the Amber on Podcasts Academy podcasts. I just came up with that title, but we're going to keep it. There are some podcasts, dear listeners, some podcasts that I cover on my show multiple times, 
These are reoccurring shows, in other words, and easier words. Reoccurring shows, reoccurring characters that I cover more than three times, let's say. I have certain reoccurring shows, and I'm now calling these shows the Amber on Podcast Academy podcasts. Or maybe not. That might be too dorky. But for today, for today, these podcasts are in the Amber on Podcast Academy, the APA. Hey, the APA works. Ish. Okay, APA podcasts are the best podcasts. APA podcasts are the reoccurring podcasts. These are the best podcasts that I cover on my show. And that's why I cover them so often. And one of the APA podcasts that I cover often on the show is Hidden Brain, hosted by my friend, the genius that lives, Mr. Shankar Vedantham. Our man Shankar is talking satisfaction and work, or work and satisfaction. Self-satisfaction in work and in life is a big deal. I would argue that it is the deal, like the main purpose of life, to be satisfied, wouldn't you say? We spend all of our waking hours searching, looking, sourcing ways to satisfy ourselves. The work and work is one of the biggest ways we do this and one of the biggest tools we use to bring satisfaction to our lives because it brings us money and money brings us freedom. And freedom brings us satisfaction, for sure. For sure, for sure. They did this study on Hidden Brain. They talk about this study that these researchers did to measure satisfaction at work. The study is on hospital workers, hospital janitors. And the first thing they do, the first measure is to ask the workers, the hospital janitors, to answer one question. Do they think that their work was high skill or do they think that their work was low skill? Two options. So the hospital workers answered. And they had two groups, those who thought their job was high-skilled and those who thought it was low-skilled. Next, they found out what tasks each worker was doing on each side. And they found that the workers who said it was low-skilled did only a specific set of tasks, the predetermined tasks outlined in their job description, the exact ones. While the other workers, the ones who viewed their work as high-skill, these workers were working outside the list of tasks. They were going beyond the list of tasks in their job description. Even in some cases, breaking the rules in order to do so. And other things that went beyond the notice of even their supervisors. So now we know two things, right? That there are those who think it's low-skill work and do only what's on their task list. And those who think it's high-skilled work and do things outside the the list. Another thing to note about the workers who were doing things outside of their task list, is that they would also develop systems. Systems for how to know when it was okay to help a patient get a drink of water, for example, or when to help a patient move, or when to get a nurse or a doctor to assist. They worked out a method, a way to do something beyond their list of responsibilities. This one woman would rearrange the art on the wall in the patient's room at night in their rooms while they were asleep, or, or they only these patients weren't actually asleep, they were comatose. She worked on a floor that had all comatose patients, and she rearranged the art in the room anyway. And you know why she did it? She did it because she hoped that maybe if these patients noticed something a little bit different, something new, something a bit off, maybe it would spark something in them and they would come out of it and wake up. That's why the hospital janitor rearranged the art on the wall. She was behaving like a family member would, right? Another worker would do her tasks quickly if she noticed a patient alone 
Or uh, if she noticed a visitor who looked like they were on the verge of tears, she would she would finish her t- her task list a few minutes early and go to their room and spend some time with them. Just to be someone in the room, someone who cared and, and who was checking in. If you've ever had the unfortunate experience of being in a hospital, you know how wonderful it is to see a caring face. We don't always have a choice on where we work, on how much we work, on who we work with. But I don't want anyone to, to have to live a day without being able to control the way they feel about the work that they do. So let's examine another worker. Another hospital worker in the study would be sure to look up at the ceiling in every room. She would inspect the ceiling to see if there were any blemishes or any problems that the patient, you know, being in bed and looking up at the ceiling might notice. These workers were really going the extra mile, right? They were taking the hospital's mission literally and incorporating it into their jobs, making their work something they could feel satisfied with each day, something they could be proud of, something they could contribute and put out into the world. So the question becomes, how can we replicate this? How can we find this for ourselves? What can we do to find meaning in our work? It's an important question to study because of the implications, the results of finding more meaning in work, too, because studies show that people who find more meaning in their work are more satisfied with their jobs overall, more satisfied in their lives. They actually work longer hours, too, miss fewer days, and are more engaged in the work that they are performing. And you see, there are three styles of work you can choose to do. You can have a job, just means a means to an end can have a career, which isn't defined in this episode, but I would define a career as a trajectory, a, long, a long-term a long plan for a specific desired outcome. And finally, you have a calling, three styles of work, job, career, calling. Today, people in the world are really, really, really desperate to find their calling, to find meaning in their work. Now more than ever, really, people are looking everywhere for meaning. And the satisfaction that comes with finding that meaning, because we can find it now with technology. We all want to find our calling. We want these questions answered. So let's unpack this for a moment. Most, of, most people have two ways of thinking about this, about finding their calling. Chances are you belong in one of these two schools of thought, one of these two versions as well. Now, the first version, version number one, is the idea that your calling will come to you like a flash in the sky. That there's no deliberate choice when it comes to finding your calling. It's more like your calling finds you. Then there's a second version, and that's that you are aware of the role that you are in while still crafting new boundaries of the job and creating a more meaningful, more impactful role for yourself, you know, based on your personal preferences and skills. Now, this was news to me and really, really helpful actually, eventually, because I have always been more of a type one version. I didn't think type two was a thing or existed at whatsoever at all. I never gave it any consideration at all. I have even had my own personal experience regarding version one. I had a moment in my life where it was like a giant light bulb went off. I got goosebumps and I had a great idea for myself. I had a great new life plan. I had a new calling. It was definitely my life's calling. When I had this moment is when my, my life, my outlook on life and my outlook on work changed completely. And that's when I started this podcast. That's when I had my transformation. I talk about so much on the show. So the idea that you could create your calling was confusing to me. I never considered crafting as part of my job. 
I thought it was part of the universe's job. Like, not up to me. I thought it was just supposed to, I thought I was just supposed to, you know, find the ones I liked, find the places and the people I wanted to work with and go join them. It's only after listening to this episode of Hidden Brain that I realized how short-sighted that truly is, honestly. It's short-sighted because it's not that easy, first of all. Sure, you might have a very detailed idea of the work that you want to do all the way down to your desk and your office and your parking spot. But if they don't hire you and for your dream job and your, and your true calling you know, position hasn't welcomed you with open arms, then you may find that you are doing something else entirely than your dream job, a job that was in no way part of your calling. But the reality is, is that it's up to you. The research shows that you decide how you want to experience your life, your job, your relationships. Your perception is your reality. And that, that is one of the best lessons of life. For sure, one of the best lessons of my life. I've gotten through a lot of shit that way. I've also pushed down a lot of shit that way and how to deal with it later in a different way, in a more scary way. That's why you got to deal with your shit. What I'm saying is that it's up to us, though, dear listeners. I know that it's up to me to decide how satisfied I am with my life, with my work. And it's up to you to decide how satisfied you are with your life and your work. And it starts with your thoughts and the way you frame your experiences, your mind, which is why I wanted to share this episode of Hidden Brain about finding satisfaction, about finding your calling, and about doing all of this by yourself, within you, by you, and feeling good about the work that you do, even if it's not the work that you want to be doing. You feel good about it. You feel satisfied. And you want to do more good and feel more satisfied. If our, if, our dream job, if our dream job can be crafted, then how do we do it, right? Well, first, I want you to think about all of the people in the world. Think about all the people in the world and all of the kinds of things that they enjoy and the things that are most important to them. There are tasks in the world that have to get done because they help the world function in a way that is a real benefit to society and to other people. In the case of your work, you are doing work, you are completing tasks that help the world function in a way that is a real benefit to society and to other people. If you look at your work this way, if you look at your job and your functions, your tasks this way, then you'll start to see how and where you might start to do things to make your work your own in a way that could, you know, feel way more fulfilling. You can change the job. You can start to expand the boundaries and change the shape of what the job description actually is. And it's not only, you know, about expanding the boundaries. You can also restrict the boundaries too by delegating or by pulling back. You can drop some of the tasks or reduce their frequency. Many people feel like this is not possible at all. Like they are under like very strict rules and guidelines that have specific duties and deliverables and benchmarks and points of measure. They have bosses with demands, etc. But still, you have room to make this your own. There's no excuse, guys. You may not have full freedom, but you do have some freedom, freedom in the way that allows you to take advantage from a process point of view, perhaps, meaning that you alter the process of a task a bit. Or from an order of task point of view, I mean that you change the order of the tasks you're completing or change the schedule. The point is to customize your work in a way that allows you to make the experience more enjoyable, more meaningful. 
and something that makes you feel more connected to the people that you're working with or to the beneficiaries or the recipients of your work. It's not just crafting your job description that can lead to finding your calling. It's also redefining and redesigning and the relationships that you have with other people in the workplace. Every job requires some level of contact or interdependence with other people, coworkers, clients, customers, managers, vendors. These interdependencies are are the source of 99% of our work experience. These relationships can be the source of much pain or great joy. (laughs) But many times these interactions are necessary to doing the work or, or become part and parcel with doing the job. So what to do? How can we still find satisfaction in our work while dealing with so many potential bozos out there in the working world? Good news. Hidden Brain has a solution for us here too. It's called cognitive crafting. The way you think about the job, the the thing you have the greatest control over, cognitive crafting, and the way you choose, it's the way you choose to think about what the work actually is. There's a lot of freedom in this, okay? It's not a one-size-fits-all approach here. You do you. You do what works for you, okay? In the hospital study that I told you about earlier, In this instance, cognitive crafting was taking place in the way that the workers thought about their job. To prove this, the researchers asked them a simple question. What's your job title? They asked each worker to give their job title. And despite all of the workers having involved in the study, all of the workers, despite all the workers in the study having the exact same technical job title, all were hospital janitors, but some did not use this title when they were asked the question. Some did when the researchers asked, they said hospital janitor, but others didn't say hospital janitor. Instead, they used words like ambassador or healer. And and different cognitive crafting seems to be linked to how people go about actually doing the job. So if you're wearing the hospital janitor uniform and going throughout your day thinking of yourself as a healer, that's very different than, than thinking of yourself as a hospital janitor, going through your task list, checking off your items. See, I love this. It's super easy, you know, helpful mind trick, you guys. You can redefine your role for you so you can feel more satisfied. Let me give you a personal example. I am a consultant. I work in an IT in, in, in a corporate environment um, and as an IT consultant. And, and the experience can be stressful. It can be chaotic. It can be high stakes. It involves a lot of people, usually every single person in the organization. You you might have noticed some IT people you've worked with, if you work in corporate, some IT people, uh, they, they seem like super patient and cool, like they're they're really calm and collected and in any emergency. This is my idle person, this calm, cool, collected person. And in order to get to this level, I use what I learned from this podcast. And I frame my work to be helping people live easier lives. When I feel in each moment, when I go about my day, that I am there to help other people live easier lives, I can literally do anything, like I, with little or no frustration. I can, it, nothing gets to me, you know, because it doesn't matter the problem or the people involved. I just want to make things easier. That's me. That's my role. That's my cognitive crafting. I'm an IT consultant. I'm a life improver, a problem solver, a, a solutions architect. It's my personal favorite. I'm a solutions architect. 
And there, bam, I have a new role, a new mission, a new journey, a new experience, and a new expectation of that experience. A new role that I choose based on the confines that I find myself in as a working female American who must work in order to provide, in order to live. I want to master work. And today, right now, and tomorrow, and for the near future, this is how I will manage my work. And I hope that this helps you manage your work too. So we can all do more good for more people most of the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining me here and for wanting to do more good. And I want to let you guys know what a joy this podcast is for me. I know I said it before, but I hope that it brings you some joy as well. If it does, if you like the show, please share it with a friend who you think will enjoy it also. That would be awesome. Someone who you think loves to learn, loves to do good, loves to listen to mixed girls banter about social psychology, etc. Please share Amber on Podcast with your friends. And please, if you haven't already, please leave me your rating or even better, a review. That's how we get this show into more ear canals and into more brains. Until next week, stay gorgeous. Thank you. Love you. Bye. We are going back to our roots, my sweets, our podcast roots, straight back all the way back to my earliest podcast days before they were smartphones and podcast apps. I used to listen to the radio, and every Saturday was my time with the radio, with NPR, my favorite radio station, because every Saturday, I realize I'm a super nerd, so full disclosure, but this show is great. It's family-friendly, and it's entertaining. It's hilarious. It's a quiz show. And in fact, if you watch the big late shows like Fallon or Conan or whatever on TV, you'll see a lot of the jokes from Wait, Wait on these late night shows too. I'm not sure if they use the same writers or these are contraband jokes, but they are the same damn jokes for sure. So you can hear the jokes first on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Listen, thank me, tweet me, say, Amber, thank you for making me laugh. And I'll tweet you and I will say, you're welcome, angel face emoji. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Love you. Bye.